Welcome to another episode of the Jam Pack Report today for March the 30th of 2021. Of course, my name is Samuel Adams and this is a daily gaming news podcast meant to bring you the hottest news you need to know from around the industry. Hosted on YouTube and podcast services around the world five days a week, it's your one-stop shop for everything you need to know. So if you enjoy the show and you like what you see, hit that subscribe button and keep coming back for more. But we finally got the confirmation we have all been dreading. The PlayStation Store on PlayStation 3, PlayStation Portable, and PlayStation Vita will be going away this summer. If you haven't been keeping up with the story so far, The Gamer reported last week that the stores would be closing later this summer, with PlayStation 3 and PlayStation Portable going away on July the 2nd, and Vita going away on August the 27th. Then we saw the web store taken down earlier this week, completely cutting off any kind of web purchases on these three platforms specifically. Now we have the official statement from Sony via their discontinued PlayStation apps, features, and services page. It didn't even get a blog post. That kind of hurts a little bit, not going to lie. They write, quote, We are closing PlayStation Store on PlayStation 3 consoles on July 2nd, 2021, and on PlayStation Vita devices on August 27th, 2021. Additionally, the remaining purchase functionality for PSP will also retire on July 2nd, 2021. It is important to note that this is only cutting off new purchases. You can still re-download the games you have already purchased. You can still re-download videos and media that you have already purchased. That will not be a problem. On top of that, you can also redeem game and PlayStation Plus vouchers, and you can still re-download any PlayStation Plus titles for as long as you have the membership. So all of that does remain valid. Still super unfortunate here. Of course, if you missed yesterday's show, we dove deeply into this topic. But does Sony have a responsibility to keep these games going? Does Sony have a responsibility to provide access because of the digital nature of today's industry? Especially thinking back to platforms like the PSP Go that was entirely digital. Of course, you can still re-download your older games. But if somebody in 5 years or 10 years was to purchase a... PSP Go, how are they going to download games for that device if they don't already have access to an account with that functionality and with those games available? So those are the questions that I have. And then on top of that, the PlayStation Vita once again seems to be a bit of a premature end in my opinion. As we discussed yesterday, there are still games coming out in 2021. Companies are canceling their Vita versions of their games because of this announcement. It seems developers were not given any kind of heads up, uh, and I've seen a lot of conversation around that specific point on Twitter. But this specific instance is one where you really see the disparity between what's going on at Microsoft and what's going on at Sony. Microsoft is bringing backward compatibility into a big portion of their plan for the future. You have FPS boost, you have auto HDR, tons of features that are coming to ensure these older games still hold up over time. Meanwhile, at Sony, they're focusing entirely on the next generation. They're focusing entirely on the current generation, and they're focusing on creating these new experiences for players and not necessarily worrying about what happens to their legacy titles. Again, two different approaches, neither of which are necessarily incorrect, but I'm on the side of backward compatibility. I'm on the side of game preservation because I think that the art that people have created over the past few decades on PS3, PSP, and Vita is kind of in a way being heavily impacted by the closure of the PlayStation Store. Uh, And so it's super unfortunate to see. 
But if you do want to make any kind of new purchases, go before July 2nd on the PS3 and PSP and go before August 27th on the PlayStation Vita. But one thing Sony is doing is apparently funding Insomniac Games' 60fps update for Ratchet & Clank on PS5. I love that this is happening. Insomniac Games takes to Twitter to write Ratchet & Clank 2016 will be playable in 60fps on PlayStation 5 after a new update in April. As part of the Play at Home campaign, you can download the game for free now through March 31st. This essentially makes this a next-gen game in my opinion. Of course, you don't have any kind of ray tracing, and it's effectively just upping the frame rate, but it is a very welcome addition, especially coming up with Rift Apart, which is the newest Ratchet & Clank game coming out in just a few weeks at this point, really. Uh, but to be able to go back and retroactively add these features is something that I think is important for the newer legacy games, if that makes any sense. The most recent last-generation games. I would love to see this kind of approach taken to every major first-party game. Bloodborne is one that comes to mind. Everybody wants a 60 frames per second Bloodborne. On top of that, you see the updates coming for games like Spider-Man that are very well received by the community, and this is one that's been well received as well. But if you are picking up the game for free for the Play at Home campaign, you can wait just a couple of weeks, download the game with the 60 FPS patch, and then play through it and get ready for Rift Apart, which is coming out again this spring on the PlayStation 5 exclusively. You love to see it, you really, really do. I always did love Ratchet & Clank growing up, and even though I don't play PlayStation right now, I don't have a PlayStation 5, uh, I still have a deep love and respect for Insomniac Games because they have made some incredible experiences that have really shaped who I am as not only a player, but as a person. Awesome stuff that they make. So if you do want to download it, again, a new free update is coming out in April for the 60 FPS capability on the PlayStation 5. We have an unfortunate update about PAX East 2021. They write, quote, In light of the ongoing public health concerns, Reed Pop and Penny Arcade will not hold PAX East this year. Given the United States' progress towards addressing COVID-19 in recent months, we are cautiously optimistic PAX West and PAX Unplugged will proceed as planned with in-person festivities September 3rd through the 6th and December 10th through the 12th, respectively. Since we cannot wait until September to reconnect with the wonderful PAX community, PAX Online will return July 15th through the 18th. We hope to build on the success of last year's record-breaking event and also engage with our community in new ways, such as the Indie Showcase that will take place between now and PAX Online. Expect to hear more about these exciting plans soon. While we hoped PAX East could safely take place, we remained realistic and did not sell any tickets or space to exhibitors to avoid significantly inconveniencing our friends and partners. As we have shown via our actions throughout the pandemic, our utmost concern is the safety of the PAX family, from attendees, exhibitors, and show staff to media and content creators, as well as the local communities that host our celebrations of all things gaming. We will only move forward with a live PAX event once we are confident the show will be safe for everyone. Reed Pop and Penny Arcade will continue to monitor the situation surrounding COVID-19, observe government guidelines and local laws, and defer to health officials and experts on what is deemed safe. We are grateful for the efforts everyone made to make PAX East happen in 2021, and we look forward to returning to Boston in 2022. Good move. Very, very good move. Because 
I want to make it very clear, the pandemic is not over yet. We're just getting vaccines. I've had my first round so far. I'm going back on April the 7th to get my second. Uh, and so we are just beginning to see the light at the end of the tunnel. This is when we really buckle down and make sure that we get this thing out of the way so we can return to some sense of new normalcy. We can return to going to in-person events. And let me tell you, I'm going to in-person events once this is all over. I did not realize how much I wanted to go to an in-person event until I was no longer able to go to an in-person event. This is going to be a fantastic time in 2022, and I hope that in the fall, uh, if everything goes according to plan, this could be a possibility for the fall. We could see PAX Unplugged. We could see PAX West. Uh, you would love to see that kind of stuff. But for right now, in March and April of 2021, this is a good move. This is something that I think uh, should be well received. So again, looking forward to the future, but if you are wanting to uh, go to PAX East this year, you are not going to be able to do that. Electronic Arts has announced a new next-gen golf game, EA Sports PGA Tour. They have put out a press release here. They write, Electronic Arts announced EA Sports PGA Tour, a new next-gen golf game currently in development. In EA Sports PGA Tour, golf fans will be able to build their virtual career and experience the sights, sounds, and thrills of the PGA Tour, including the Players' Championship, FedEx Cup playoffs, and more unforgettable events. The game will also feature many of the world's most famous courses where fans will have the option to play against and as some of the biggest names in professional golf. More EA Sports PGA Tour news will be revealed in the coming weeks, and a launch date will be announced in the coming months. During its long-standing relationship with the PGA Tour, EA Sports has entertained tens of millions of players around the world with its golf franchise. Now, through a new, long-term deal signed this year with the PGA Tour, EA Sports will expand its history in golf with the next-gen PGA Tour experience. The game will be built on the EA Frostbite engine, and leveraging next-gen technology promises stunning fidelity, breathtaking immersive environments, and approachable, dynamic gameplay. Quote, EA Sports and the PGA Tour have created some of the most memorable golf video game experiences together, and we could not be more excited to expand our sports portfolio with a new golf title on the next-gen hardware, said Cam Weber, EA Sports, EVP, and GM. Our team of passionate golf fans is meticulously recreating the world's top courses, such as Pebble Beach, and we cannot wait to give fans the opportunity to compete on some of the most iconic PGA Tour courses and win the FedEx Cup, end quote. Quote, we've partnered with EA Sports to bring immersive golf video game experiences to fans of all ages for years, said Lynn Brown, PGA Tour Chief Legal Officer and Executive Vice President of Licensing and Merchandising. We are thrilled to continue working with EA Sports on its golf franchise to authentically represent the PGA Tour for the next generation. The newest game will give golf fans another way to experience their favorite sport or to discover their passion for it, end quote. Awesome to see. Again, as we discussed last week with the Tiger Woods deal that went down, a next-generation PGA Tour game is simply something that is a no-brainer, and this one looks to be the first big revelation in years. Of course, now you have the Frostbite engine coming into play, you have the full power of next-generation hardware at their disposal, uh, probably going to be a pretty good-looking golf game. I'm not a golfer. I'm not a golfer at all, but I do like a good golf game if it's done properly. Uh, I'm more of the uh, hot shots golf kind of guy, but I can respect the game of the uh, official PGA Tour. Uh, so if you want to check out EA Sports PGA Tour, stay tuned. I'm sure there is some news coming from the Summer of Gaming Ahead, uh, which is the big, uh, or I'm sorry, Summer Game Fest, whatever you want to call it. 
big ass collection of events that are coming over the summer, you'll get more information there for sure. But in the meantime, you could join over 4 million other players that are playing Monster Hunter Rise because Capcom has announced that Monster Hunter Rise has shipped 4 million units globally. It is a solid start on a new platform for the latest title from Capcom's flagship brand. Capcom announced today that Monster Hunter Rise for Nintendo Switch has shipped 4 million units worldwide. The Monster Hunter series consists of hunting action games that pit players against giant monsters in a beautiful natural environment. Beginning with the first title in 2004, the series established a new genre in which players cooperate to hunt ferocious monsters with their friends and has since grown into a global phenomenon with cumulative sales of the series exceeding 66 million units shipped as of December 31st, 2020. Monster Hunter Rise is an all-new Monster Hunter title for the Nintendo Switch. The game was developed with Capcom's proprietary RE engine in order to provide a new, accessible Monster Hunter experience that can be enjoyed anytime, anywhere, with anyone. In addition to new monsters and locales, the game provides a completely fresh take on the hunting experience through a host of new, exhilarating hunting actions made possible with Wirebug. With this, players can traverse rocky cliffs via the wall run, soar over craggy terrain and through the air at high speed, or even bind monsters and control them. Further adding to the excitement of this new debut of new Kanye? Canyon? Canyon? Canyon hunting partners? Let's go with that. Canyon hunting partners called Palamutes. I am so sorry for all Monster Hunter fans in the audience, uh, which hunters can ride to quickly navigate the maps. The title garnered critical acclaim following the release of two demos featuring both local and online cooperative play prior to launch, with resulting shipments exceeding 4 million units. Further, in addition to Monster Hunter Stories 2 Wings of Ruin, a new role-playing game scheduled for release on July 9th, 2021 that will feature elements that can link with Monster Hunter Rise, Capcom will roll out a wide variety of initiatives targeting increased brand value. These include the series' first Hollywood film adaptation, Monster Hunter, which was released in Japan on March 26, 2021, and ranged from character merchandising and apparel to collaborations with a diverse field of companies. 4 million units for Monster Hunter Rise. Not really a shock for me here. This game is just going crazy. Uh, and for good reason. It looks very, very fun. I've been watching a good chunk of it on Twitch. And if you can't tell by my mispronunciations, I'm not a big Monster Hunter guy, but I do enjoy watching it to a great degree. And it looks like a very solid Monster Hunter experience on the Nintendo Switch. Important to note, Monster Hunter Rise is set to come to at least PC in roughly about a year's time according to reports, so keep that tucked in the back of your mind. But for Nintendo Switch players, uh, this is that Monster Hunter experience on the go, or if you're docked, a full Monster Hunter experience in and of itself. And in my opinion, in the same way that Monster Hunter World was a good entry point, I feel like Monster Hunter Rise is a good entry point because Capcom has realized not everybody is a legacy Monster Hunter player. You're always trying to get new players in the gate. And I think that both of these games, World and Rise, are very accessible in the way that they do that. And I think that if I were to choose either personally, uh, because of my interest in Monster Hunter, it would probably be Rise because it feels much more accessible. Uh, and so if you do want the dive in, the game is out now exclusively on the Nintendo Switch. And again, 4 million units have been sold through so far. Wreckfest is getting an upgrade on PlayStation 5. It's going to be 10 bucks for existing owners, or if you're going in for the first time, it's going to run you $39.99. 
According to THQ Nordic, the new version of the game adds 4K60 support along with 24-player multiplayer. Important to note, there is no word on a Series X version of the game, although a recent patch did increase the frame rate on Microsoft's newest console up to 60 frames per second, and that game is currently available in Game Pass as well, which is where I have played it. Super strange here, in my opinion, that there is no Xbox Series X version of the game kind of muddies the messaging here a bit because it seems like PlayStation 5 is getting some kind of preferential treatment, but at the same time, the benefits don't necessarily uh, make that much of a difference. I'm trying to figure out the nicest way to say that. But as you see Tom Phillips here over at Eurogamer reporting, there's also faster loading times, which are inherent from the PlayStation 5. Uh, but on top of that, dynamic dirt and new skid marks are also coming. Again, marginal improvements, but still something that would be nice to see on the Xbox Series X and S if there is any kind of possibility of that happening. But if you do have a PlayStation 5 and you do want to check out a salad racing game, you can check it out again for $39.99 or for that $10 upgrade, which I think is a bit of a stretch considering what you're getting, but 10 bucks, it's fine. There is some work that went in behind the scenes to make this next generation version happen. Uh, and in terms of my uh, reception of the game, my opinion of the game, it's good. It's not mind-blowing by any stretch of the imagination. Forza Horizon has kind of uh, spoiled me when it comes to racing games, but Wreckfest brings that same energy that Fallout, I'm sorry, Flatout, uh, brought back in the day. This is that uh, very wreck-heavy, destruction derby kind of energy. It's not going to be your super realistic arcade racer. It's not going to be uh, any kind of uh, anything like that. It's going to be essentially flat-out and burnout mixed together with some derby elements in there. It does feel pretty good, I must admit, but uh, if you do want to check out that next-gen version, coming out June the 10th. And finally, to round out today's show, Cyberpunk is getting its 1.2 patch, it's out now on PlayStation, Xbox, and Google Stadia. And if you want to check out the entire list, you have your work cut out for you because the enhancements they have made are mind-blowing here. I'm not reading through all of this, so you can slow the video down to half speed, quarter speed, whatever you need to do if you want to check out everything they are adding to the game. But in short, this is the biggest patch to date. It runs about 40 gigs on PlayStation and Xbox, uh, but... This is the biggest step in the right direction. This is something that it was supposed to come out earlier this year, but then with the ransomware attack, uh, their operations were impacted. Some people could not access their computers to work on the patch itself. And now that that's all been ironed out, at least to a degree that they can get work uh, rolling again, you now have this giant patch that I think does set a pretty solid foundation for the future. This fixes everything from glitches and missions all the way to typos that you might find around Night City. Uh, but on top of that, the performance and the experience on last generation hardware and lower generation hardware, or I should say lower uh, hardware on PC, has been improved greatly. And that's a big, big benefit. I'm looking forward to seeing if Digital Foundry makes a comparison video, if people begin talking about this online. Again, I don't have, number one, the game, number two, hardware to compare it on. But I do want to see if a lot of these smaller issues that people have been having are fixed with this new update. I'm looking forward to seeing what's coming with the next generation version. There is no word on that yet. I would not hold my breath for any kind of release anytime soon. That feels like a 2022 situation, uh, but it could be a late 2021 situation. 
but the team is very adamant about making this game good. And I almost forgot to mention, ray tracing is finally enabled on AMD GPUs. So if you're playing in the PC space, congratulations, you now get access to the big version of the game uh, that brings in a lot of those NVIDIA exclusive features until now, which was uh, unintentional. But Cyberpunk is a game that I started playing and I just could not get into it. The glitches were very intrusive to the gameplay experience, but there is a very solid narrative underneath all of this. And the story was fantastic. I want to get back into it, but I won't be going back anytime soon until that next gen update drops. But that rounds out today's episode of the Jam Pack Report. If you enjoyed today's show, drop me a like down below and let me know what you think about everything we talked about here today, but specifically PS3, PSP, and Vita stores. Are you going to miss them? Did you use them? And are you picking anything up between now and the time they are set to go away? Would love to hear what you have to say. But until tomorrow, you guys have a fantastic rest of your day. I'll talk to you soon and peace.